Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Foku. We welcome you on this um, edition of Sound Reasoning as we go through the book of Colossians from an apologetic perspective, as we have been reiterating on previous broadcasts. This letter of Colossians uh, deals with the supremacy of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Jesus is first in rank over all of creation. Uh, He is uh, the Alpha and Omega. He's the architect. He's the one that solidifies and binds everything together. So in this letter, we get a clearer picture of the ontological perspective concerning Christ. And by ontology, ontology we mean his beingness, uh, his divineness. Uh, He's not just a man. He's God-man. And as God-man, that makes him different than anybody else or anything else. Uh, Jesus cannot be put on the same level as Buddha. He cannot be put on the same level as Uh, Charles Taze Russell, he cannot be put on the same level as Mohammed. He cannot be put on the same level as any other created being. For Jesus is not created. He is Alpha and Omega. He eternally exists. So this is the type of Savior that we serve. He is the genuine Son of God. And when John uses the term monogenes, he's talking about the uniqueness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only unique son, that whosoever shall believe it on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. The exclusivity of uh, us getting to the Father, knowing him, meaning that you, we cannot uh, know the Father unless we first know the Son. We cannot get to heaven unless you go by the Son. It's exclusive. So with salvation being exclusive, this is where a lot of people miss the point. Yes, salvation is exclusive. But the invitation is inclusive. The invitation is sent out to whosoever will. Whether you're a backslider, whether uh, you're atheist, whether you're agnostic, whether you're a skeptic, whether, whether you're a humanist, the message is, has gone forth. And we are the carriers of the message. We as Christians, we have to carry this message that Jesus loves them. And it doesn't matter what your background is, if you have faith and you believe in the unique Son of God, 
you too can have a relationship with the authentic Savior and have a relationship with God the Father as well. This is the salvation message that you and I are obligated to propagate. We're obligated to share to our fellow neighbors. We are the reporters for a lack of a better terminology. We are the ones who report and we are the ones who purport the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Ewangelion uh, uh, that the Greek talks about. We are the ones that God uses as light bearers so others may see their way in a dark, infested world. So we're the vessels that God is using to uh, get his message across. So we've been uh, going through the book of Colossians, and uh, we're still in chapter 2. And as, as we go forth, um, we want to share some doctrinal principles. So when we look at uh, Colossians uh, 2.16, we learn some very important doctrinal uh, warnings that would make us... Uh, better in terms of not veering to the left or to the right, but staying in the center where we can worship our God in truth. So when we look at uh, Colossians 2.16, it says, don't let anyone judge you regarding what you eat. And this was important because in the Jewish culture, uh, they were accustomed to this theology that if you uh, if you ate this certain type of animal, then that uh, puts you in the righteous category. But if you didn't eat this type of animal, then um, you were seen as a sinner or someone who had uh, transgressed against God. And that uh, comes from the uh, perversion of the Mosaic law uh, that Christ was trying to deliver them from. Uh, there's a reason why uh, God established the clean and unclean criteria for what you can eat and what you cannot eat. And this is why, uh, if we fast forward to the New Testament, when uh, Peter was told to arise and eat, his response was, not so, Lord. Nothing unclean has touched these lips. And uh, God responded to him and said, do not call anything I've made unclean. So what's the point? The point is uh, God was trying to show Peter that uh, when things are sanctified, they are no longer unclean. When, uh, when we seek God's face and God has blessed whatever it is that he wants to bless, we can't deem it as unclean. Now, Contextually, and to be hermeneutically correct, uh, the passage deals with uh, God trying to get Peter's attention in regards to his preaching. It wasn't just about the food. It was about also the preaching. And Peter was accustomed to dealing with Jews. But God was trying to get Peter prepared for the other people that he deemed unclean, just like the food. So, God is telling Peter, there are people that this gospel will have to reach. 
and you don't have the option uh, or the prerogative, rather, to uh, classify people as unclean who I want to clean up. So Peter was dealing with his prejudice. But in this text in Colossians, we are dealing with food. And we need to be careful. Now, I must say this. If we are in a culture that uh, eat a certain type of food and we're not accustomed to eating it, then we need to look at it contextually. We, look, we need to look at it uh, from a biblical normative. Um, if it's not blatantly um, criticized by God, if it's not blatantly um, classified by God as something that we should not eat, then we need to take a look at uh, being accommodating if it's not going against God's word in terms of uh, the things that we are to eat. So let me make it plain. If me visiting, let's say, India, if me wanting to eat a burger is going to offend someone because of their culture uh, in India and, and some, in many places of India, uh, eating a cow is offensive uh, because they believe that um, cows are reincarnated loved ones. So what am I saying? I'm saying as a Christian, I'm not going to start with eating a burger to offend them. But what I will do is I'm intentionally looking for other ways to bond with them. And if I have to eat something else while I'm there to, in order to purport the gospel, then that's what I need to do. Uh, not eating a burger is not going to cause me uh, any harm. I can eat something else. So we have to be strategic and we have to practice wisdom when we talk about uh, how to deal with our fellow brethren and, and, and our fellow sisters. So we have to practice wisdom. But the goal is still the same. We want God to use us to, uh, to reconcile other people back to themselves in terms of them having a relationship with God the Father. So wisdom needs to be practiced. So if us eating a certain type of food is going to uh, keep someone from hearing the gospel, then we need to eat something else so we can uh, alleviate and move that uh, obstacle out of the way so we can deal with the most important things. So in Colossians, don't let anyone judge you regarding what you eat. And that also, uh, in verse 16, has this idea of letting uh, or we allowing people to categorize us in a way that it keeps us from living the Christian life. It keeps us from obeying God. Uh, some people may say, well, if you eat this, then it's a sure sign that you're saved. If you eat this, then it's, it's proof that you know Christ. And what this uh, verse is telling us is our sanctification is not tied up necessarily to what we eat. Just because I eat uh, the, 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 the food menu or I follow the food menu that you subscribe to, or this group has subscribed to doesn't necessarily mean that I know Jesus. 
So um, we can't allow people to judge us in that way. And that's what uh, Paul is saying in Colossians. We can't be pigeonholed into the, and, and put into this box that, uh, that says that if you eat this certain type of food, then we know you know Jesus. No. We know Jesus because of Romans 10 and 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And uh, that's what qualifies us in terms of being saved. Then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. Uh, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. So we're saved by grace. We're saved through faith. And, and if you accept Christ as your savior, uh, as your savior by faith, then you're saved. So Paul is, is making it plain to these Christians in Colossae. Don't let people uh, trip you up with bad theology, saying you have to do this, that, or the other, and the Bible doesn't support it. So again, salvation is not rooted on food. Salvation is not uh, boxed in by what we eat. Now, as Christians, we are already saved through faith. Should we eat food that's healthy for us? Yes, we should. But it's not tied up to salvation. Um, if you're a Christian with a poor diet, you still are saved. You're still going to see Jesus. You're going to be held accountable for how you treat your body, but you're still in the family. That's what Paul is trying to convey. Then it says, don't let anyone judge you in regard to what you drink. Same concept. Same concept. Um, if you drink this, then it's a, 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 it's a sure, fireproof indication that you're saved. That's not what the scripture says. Just because I drink this and don't drink that doesn't necessarily mean that I know Christ. So the priority is, what's the criteria for salvation? Romans 10 and 9. Read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 as a backup. For uh, uh, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord through faith shall be saved. Right? For with the heart man believed unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's what Paul talks about in terms of the criteria for salvation. Now, if me um, drinking a root beer is going to offend someone, then I won't drink it. I'll drink something else. That is part of wisdom. But we ought to know as Christians that our salvation is not contingent on works. The work has, has already been performed on the cross by Jesus. We just need to accept him through faith. So we don't work to get saved, but we work because we are saved. Let me repeat it. We don't work to get saved. The work has already been performed on the cross, but we work because we are already saved. So don't let anyone judge you by telling you you have to eat this. Don't let anybody judge you by uh, intimating or uh, professing this false theology that you have to drink something or drink 
if you drink these uh, certain type of drinks, then it is proof that you know Christ. That's not true. You can drink all of those things. You can eat all of those things and still not know Jesus. So uh, how do I know Christ? By Romans 10 and 9, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Number three, don't let anyone judge you as it relates to a holy day. So there are um, people all over the world um, that have this theology that's been man-made. Uh, that if you uh, if 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 you follow them on this day, right? It, it's to them it's a holy day. If 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 you follow this man-made holiday or holy day, then uh, it's, a, it's a sure uh, way of saying that this person knows Christ. Let me make it even more clear. Some people may say, uh, "Well." I'm really active during the holidays, during Christmas holidays. So, so I'm, uh, 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 because I'm all wrapped up in Christmas and the holiday, I know Jesus. There are a lot of people that celebrate Christmas, but they don't know Christ. So just because you observe a certain holiday doesn't necessarily mean you know Jesus. It just means that you, you are actively uh, participating and you recognize this holiday. So Paul is saying, don't let anyone judge you as it relates to a holy day. Or conversely, if you don't participate in a certain day, doesn't mean you're not a Christian. And that's what Paul is also expressing. Just because you abstain from a certain holiday made by man doesn't mean that you don't know Jesus. In, uh, moreover, uh, Paul is also expressing this whole idea of the Sabbath. There are a lot of people that believe that if you uh, don't have church uh, or, or, or um, if you don't recognize the Sabbath the way that uh, the traditional uh, mosaic theology of the Old Testament follows it, then you can't be a Christian. And Paul is liberating them, says, every day ought to be holy. Not just one day, not just the seventh day. The, uh, every day needs to be holy. And in Hebrews 4, he makes it crystal clear uh, that Jesus has performed all the work on the cross. And he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And if you know Christ, you're justified. You're not just about, justified by a specific day or, or, or on the calendar. You're justified uh, every day. And what makes us holy it's our belief in Jesus Christ and our attempt to acquiesce our will to his and to adjust our lifestyle to Christ on a daily basis, walking holy every day. The day doesn't make us holy. God has made us holy. So every day we walk in circumspect. Every day you, you, you're tilting your head to the sky Asking God for his direction, asking God for uh, his encouragement, asking God for his power, asking Christ to help you every single day, not just on a particular day, do you become holy. And that was the problem with the Old Testament interpretation of the Sabbath, uh, that uh, I'm, I'm going to live any type of way that I want to live, but once the Sabbath comes, then I, I'm all of a sudden become super holy. And God is challenging us. Every day, you ought to be holy. 
Every day, you need to live your life for Jesus. So that is an admonition for all of us. Don't let anybody judge you by what you eat, by what you drink. Verse 16 in Colossians 2, don't let anyone judge you as it relates to a holy day. Don't let anyone judge you as it relates to the new moon. And uh, there are those that uh, can't live their life without consulting astrology. Uh, they have to look at the astrological signs and uh, figure out uh, what the astrologers are saying. And Paul is saying, be liberated. Don't be constrained as a Christian. Don't live by astrological signs. And it's interesting, in recent times, um, astrologers have had to revamp their hypothesis uh, because uh, now they're declassifying certain planets um, that's not being real planets at all. So that has messed up the astrological formula. So if your formula has been uh, messed up, are you really an Aries? Are you really a Virgo, a Sagittarius? So again, when man creates things, um, it always has to be patched up. But if our hope is centered in Christ, it never has to be patched up. When you put your hope in Jesus, it never uh, has to be renovated. It never uh, uh, has to be appealed. It, it, it never has to be improved because we serve the perfect Christ. We serve the God man. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to do. Don't let the worldly entanglements hold us down. And the world can hold you down with superstition. The world can hold you down with theologies or philosophies, rather, that have no place in God's kingdom agenda. So don't let anybody judge you in these things just because you didn't eat a certain type of food, just because you didn't drink the food that they say you ought to drink, just because uh, you didn't observe their holy day, just because you didn't practice their astrological hypothesis, just because um, you didn't do things the way that you that they thought you ought to do it, we can't get caught up in that. Christ has liberated us. And the things that Christ wants us to do, those are the things we ought to do. And we can't allow what other people say about our Christian fidelity to throw us off track. If you don't do this, you don't, you're not a Christian. If you don't eat this, you're not a Christian. Well, the Bible is not saying that. They're saying that. And the cults are good for that. Uh, those uh, individuals that are part of cults, they are wrapped up in human traditions. And as a result, uh, they have um, unhealthy burdens that they have to follow in order to please men. Well, our time has come up uh, again, and we have to close this uh, edition of Sound Reasoning. But as always, we thank all of you for your prayers. We, again, encourage you, if you are a listener, to give. We need your support uh, for this radio show. So if you care to give, please go to our website, www.srministries.org, or you can give your love offering uh, with a check made out to Sound Reasoning Ministries, P.O. Box 582-306, L. Grove, California. And, again, we thank all of you who are already supporting. Remember to do for the truth what so many people do for a lot. 
God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.